Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Hey, just a couple of quick things as I begin. First of all, we have a man named Cameron Thorne. He's out at the uh, table there, and he is not prickly, okay? He, despite his last name, he is a warm, friendly, uh, winsome guy. If you want to go to school online or on ground, if you want to be able to look at undergraduate or graduate, you want more professional training, you want to just tip, uh, dip your fo- uh, toes in the water, Cameron has all the information for you. We've also got a special scholarship thing going on. You could win a full tuition scholarship. So you want to stop at the table, talk to Cameron. He's also got copies of Grace Ambassador there. I think that you will enjoy that as well. Now, I want to share a quote from George Washington. This is July 2nd. We're going to be in a couple days celebrating the absolute day of our independence, but I wanted to share a prayer from George Washington, our first president. I thought it was just a powerful prayer. I've shared it many times, but it always touches me. This is what he prayed. Let my heart, gracious God, be so affected with your glory and majesty that I may discharge those weighty duties which thou requirest of me. Again, I have called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of sins, for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offered on the cross for me. Thou gavest thy son to die for me and hast given me assurance of my salvation. Whether you were born here, whether you immigrated here, or whatever context found you here, what a tremendous gift that we have to live in this nation. We're grateful and thankful for those who've given their lives to protect freedom and liberty, and we know we have an assignment to be able to, to serve and to protect and to share uh, the blessings of liberty with people around the world. I wonder if you wouldn't just join me in a prayer as we thank God for our nation and for the heritage that we have. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing moment. Thank you for this moment in history. I believe this is the single greatest time in history in which to be alive. So many possibilities, so much opportunity, but Lord, we would not have the freedoms we have today here in this country were it not for the sacrifice of men and women through the ages. So Holy Spirit, we stop right now and we say thank you. Thank you for all those who are serving today. Thank you for those who have served in the past. And we thank you for the foundational framework the foundation stones that were laid to help establish this nation. I think about the Mayflower Compact. I think about the Declaration of Independence. I think about the Constitution and just the amazing birthing story of this nation. With all our faults and and foibles, you, Lord, have been present from the very beginning. So we thank you for your presence now. We pray for your blessings in the future and that we will be a nation that share the blessings of liberty with people around the world. Amen. I met with a group of leaders beforehand this morning, and I asked them this question. Do you have children or grandchildren? And the answer from a lot of them was, yes, we have children or grandchildren. Do any of you have children or grandchildren? You have that? Okay. So when you take your children or grandchildren to church and you ask them this question, what did you learn about today? What's the one right answer? Jesus, right. Like if you're any kid who didn't pay attention in in children's class or anything, you can always just say Jesus and be pretty close to the mark. So here's what I'd like to do today. I would like to, in big church, teach you about Jesus. Are you okay with that? All right, good. How many of you watch the TV series, The Chosen? Are you watching that, The Chosen? Okay, if, amen. If you are not yet addicted to Chosen, something is wrong with your spiritual life. But I have to tell you the truth. I watched the first three episodes with my wife, right by my side. We watched The Chosen, and we did not get hooked. I was starting to question my salvation. Like, what is wrong with me that I do not like this story about Jesus? It just didn't grab me. 
But something happened in the fourth episode and it grabbed us. And we went back and uh, looked at the first three episodes, had a whole different perspective. Now we've watched all three seasons. We're watching all the little sub peripherals. We're ready to go. My wife is totally addicted. And in one of the episodes, Jesus said a phrase. Now you won't find it in the Bible, but I can imagine Jesus saying this to one of his disciples. This is the phrase that Jesus says. He says, get used to different. Get used to different. So here's what I'd like to do today. I want to teach you about Jesus, but I want you to start this morning with the idea of get used to different. Many years ago, a uh, speech professor, the only one I ever had in college, he, he said this great phrase. He just basically said, here's the way that every speaker should think about speaking. You should, number one, tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them and tell them what you told them. That seemed really simple to me. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So today, I'm going to revert back to that age-old formula, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Because it feels like, to me, it's really hot outside. We should be on the simple side this weekend, don't you think? Okay, so we got a slide up here. Here's the first thing I want you to know. I'm going to tell you three things today as we look at the stories of Jesus. We're going to read lots of scripture together from the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life. But here's the first one. Jesus came to declare and bring forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. Jesus came to declare and bring forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, if that's what Jesus came for, that says something about you and why he left you on this planet. Here's the second one. The second one is that Jesus reaches people I'm not comfortable with and births new wineskins. Quick pause here. I want to tell you that many years ago, I was in a church setting where I was helping other churches to grow, and the wife of a pastor that was reaching all kinds of people who were not normal church people. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, you're not a normal church person. And now turn back and say the exact same thing. But when I say normal church person, you kind of know in polite company what I'm describing, right? So this church pastor's wife said to me, uh, John, I'm really struggling. Our church is reaching all kinds of people and some of them are sitting next to me and the people that we're reaching are not the people that I would want as my neighbor. Flash forward many years, we planted a church in northern Nevada, just south of Carson City. God was doing an amazing work. It was in the first year or two. We had grown up to close to 1,000 people. There were no other Protestant churches with more than 300 on Sunday morning within 40 miles of us. God was doing miraculous, amazing thing. And I've always had a really good relationship with law enforcement. And on one particular Sunday, I was a little bit concerned when a really large law enforcement guy made his way to me at the front of the door. He used to stand at the front of the door. He made his way to me, and then he put his, his hand on my shoulder. Now, as a law enforcement guy, I was pretty big, and he put his hand on my shoulder. I thought, I am in trouble. What did one of my kids do wrong? Uh, what have I done wrong they didn't know about? And he said, hey, I'm having a hard time attending this church. And then in very impolite fashion, he said, because of people like that, and he pointed across the lobby. And I looked at some people who I knew had kind of some challenges in their background in life. And he said, I'm having a hard time coming here because I busted those people six months ago. But then he loosened his grip on my shoulder. And he said, Pastor John, if people like that will come to this church, I'm 100% for it. Wow. Here's the third one. Third thing you're going to learn about Jesus is that Jesus brings hope where despair has taken up residence. 
I don't know about you, but when I see circumstances of despair, the first thing I wanna do and the second thing I wanna do is go away from despair. How many of you know that sometimes life brings despairing circumstances that you cannot run from? I promise you I'm not making this up. It happened this week. 9.45 p.m. on Monday night, I received a phone call. The phone call was, Dr. John, I'm sorry to bother you so late at night, but I want you to know that the son, the youngest son of one of our faculty members was found dead in a car in downtown Sacramento. You tell me what you do in that setting. You tell me how you think about despair. I didn't have any good answers, no perfect answers. I'm not even sure I had the right answer. All I did was to call the faculty member. In the midst of their sobbing, I just prayed a very brief prayer that the Spirit of God would be present with them, give them love, comfort, and hope, and we've connected with them since then. But there are no easy and no good answers when life brings you despair. Those are the three things that we're gonna focus on as we read these passages. The first passage in Mark chapter one, verse 35 to 45, and chapter two, verses one through 12. I'll stop in the middle of a couple of these readings, but I'm gonna be reading really quick, so you have to read really quick too, okay? If you agree with that, fasten your seatbelts, be ready to read quick. Here we go. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, so see, Jesus was a morning person. If you're a morning person, go, yeah. If you're a night person, go, no. So anyway, very early in the morning while it's still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I'm gonna stop right there. He was preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Did you know that synagogues were religious centers? They were churches. If you were going to preach and drive out demons, where would you not go? To church. Church is where you are safe. Church is where you'd never expect to find demons. Get used to different. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. If you are willing, you can make me clean. So the next verse, he reached out his hand and he touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed and Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Let me press pause for just a second. Jesus says, my God has called me to teach about forgiveness and about healing and about deliverance to drive out demons. And he goes to synagogues and preaches. That's a mind blower to me. But beyond that, a guy with leprosy comes up to him and says, Lord, do you want to make me well? Jesus is upset about that. We don't know exactly why Jesus was upset. He's indignant. And then he says to the guy, touch out, reach out your hand. And Jesus reaches out and touches the leper. That may not be shocking to you. 
But I want you to understand this. Leprosy in the first century was considered such a contagious condition and such a unclean spiritual condition that a leper was required wherever they went in culture to yell out the following words, unclean, 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 so that people could stay the appropriate distance away, not just for medical reasons, but stay away from them because the uncleanness that they carried spiritually. I don't know if you've ever felt unclean spiritually, but how would you like to have a sandwich board over you or a megaphone around you and everywhere you went, you got to say your one thing. Every once in a while when I'm meeting new people, I did it this morning, I'm meeting new people and say, I'd like to know a little bit about you. I said, well, let's just start this. Tell me the worst sin you've ever committed. (laughs) I don't make a lot of close friends. Is it a shock to you? So anyway, the reality is imagine having a, a, a sandwich board or a megaphone around you just declaring your thing. So Jesus broke tradition when he not only asked the person if he wanted to be clean, but he reached out and touched him. He absolutely violated tradition. Get used to different. But then in case you think, oh, that's it, Jesus is a non-traditionalist. Jesus throws tradition out the window. After he touched the man, he told him two things. Number one, don't tell anybody who's healed you. The second thing he told the guy was to go and abide by the Mosaic ceremonial law, present himself to the priest and be made clean. So just when you think you understand Jesus, tradition's out the window. He touched a leper. He also tells the guy to abide by the tradition. If you feel off kilter, that's what people felt when they were around Jesus. Mark chapter two, verses one through 12, it says, a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard that he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers. There was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came to bring him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and they lowered the mat the man was lying on. Let me stop. Again, do you want friends like this? The crowd around Jesus is so intense that they can't bring their friend who's totally paralyzed, a quadriplegic. He's literally paralyzed from the neck down. He cannot do anything. And so what they do is they carry him up to the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. It was probably a thatched roof. And they lower this guy down and they lower him down right in front of Jesus. I want friends like that. I want friends like that. So then it goes on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, if you're me... And if we're all in the first century and we're kind of in the fortunate folks who got to be in the VIP section inside the house and we see a guy who's 
paralyzed from birth, raised down or lowered down. He's in front of Jesus. Jesus is teaching and Jesus stops the teaching and heals the guy after saying his sins are forgiven and hearing the muttering of people. I think your response also is, I've never seen anything like this. Jesus Christ caused such a stir that it not only stopped the parade of life, it stopped the moments of life. And people began to wonder, who is this man, Jesus? In all seriousness, one of the things that I really do love about the Chosen TV series is I think without compromising the deity of Jesus, it lifts up his humanity. Like you see the humanity of Jesus, like what might it have been to be a guy in the first century who had rabbinical training, but who grew up in a carpenter shop and apparently in this one particular scene wasn't very good athletically, I don't know, but then he ends up teaching and then he ends up doing miracles and imagine, by the way, not only the humanity of Jesus, but the humanity of the disciples that he called. We have this tendency to romanticize The everyday human beings who heard Jesus, who saw Jesus, who walked with Jesus. And I want to tell you, one of the things I appreciate about the Chosen series is that it demonstrates the humanity of Jesus and the humanity of the disciples. The disciples are knuckleheads. They're absolutely clueless people like me. They're everyday folks who saw Jesus and said, I'm in. When Jesus called them, they said, yes. And so they're following Jesus, but they still got all their stuff. They're still arrogant. They still are competitive with one another. They still are discriminatory and prejudiced against other people. And so when you read something like this in the Gospels, please do not lose the fact that Jesus operated in the common. Jesus took where there was despair, where there was a lack of forgiveness, where there was a need for physical healing, and he entered into those circumstances in ways that astounded people. Well, now let's go on to Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 17. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. By the way, if you have not watched The Chosen, you have to watch The Chosen because Matthew is amazing. He is incredible. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. He was on the job site. He was on the clock. Jesus says, follow me. Matthew gets up. So uh, while Jesus was having dinner uh, and at Matthew's house, I just got to stop. The first time I read this, I, I mean, I've read it hundreds of times, but I was reading it again, trying to be in the situation. So he's at the tax collector's booth and he says, follow me. And Matthew gets up and followed him. And what Jesus does is when Matthew follows him, Jesus goes to Matthew's house. I mean, the, the, the dialogue doesn't show in the text, but he says he had dinner at Matthew's house. Follow me, Matthew. Matthew gets in line, follows Jesus, and they go to his house and says, hey, forgot to tell you, we're having dinner at your house tonight. Like, I don't know the family circumstances, but I can only imagine Matthew arriving with a bunch of folks behind him, including Jesus, and says, honey, guess what? We're our servants. Guess what? We're having dinner tonight, and Jesus is here. Well, I just think that's cool. Maybe you don't. But anyway, (laughs) verse 11. When the Pharisees, well, first of all, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. I just think that's, I don't know. I don't know if we can conceive of that. Tax collectors, which have been Matthew's people, right? People Matthew knew. Tax collectors and sinners. Oh yeah, people who are not like normally in church. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. But go and learn what this means. 
I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, let me press pause for just a moment. How many of you know that you can make tremendous sacrifices on the outside, that you can conform to religious protocols, that you can do all manner of religious observances and have your heart be a million miles away from God. God does not want the outside of your life, he wants your heart. The thing that God will not abide is for you to give the external part of your life to him, but have the inside be a million miles away. If you give the inside of your life to God, he'll eventually own the outside. But how many of you know you can fake it on the outside for a long time? I know that. I was born and raised in church. You know my story, a lot of you. I know that you can fake it on the outside. You can come to church, do all the right thing, wear the right clothes, be with the right people, carry the right Bible, say the right things, even learn church language after a while. But the bottom line, folks, is it's not about sacrifice. It's not about external obedience. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ that when you surrender your life to him, then he owns your life and you begin to demonstrate mercy not sacrifice. He goes on to say this. John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Nor do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Look up here just real quick. Some of us get in such ruts spiritually that the patterns of our life, unbeknownst to us, become patterns that govern us and we lose the understanding of them. Do not react to this. But most of you know, when you first come to church, there's gonna be some music. And then after the music, there's gonna be some greeting. And then there's gonna be a video. And then there's gonna be some teaching. And then there's gonna be some communion. How many of you know, don't raise your hand, how many of you know how easy it is to go on autopilot when you know the structures? When you know the systems, the process, the journey, how many of you know it's easy to get to the place where you have become an old wineskin? God can't say or do a new thing in you because you have become so fixed and so set and so rigid. So just real quickly, I'm 61, I'll be 62 next month. Yes! So uh, um, the reality is, is that the older I've gotten, the more I realize that I, like I'm a systems person, I love systems, I love strategy, I have a right way to put things in the refrigerator. No, 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 there, I've studied this. There's a right way to put stuff in the refrigerator. I stack the dishwasher a certain way. It's the most efficient way to do it. This morning, I had to unload the dishwasher early because they literally was no silverware left in the entire kitchen because nobody else apparently understands in my house how to unload the dishwasher. So I was unloading the dishwasher and some barbarians, unbeknownst to me, had loaded the dishwasher and so the silverware was loaded in all wrong. So this morning early, me and Jesus had to have a conversation while everybody else was sleeping about how is it that I am to live with these barbarians who do not know how to load a dishwasher? 
Now, folks, I'm doing my own form of spiritual battle on these issues of the refrigerator and the, and the dishwasher. I personally believe that my children and occasionally my spouse do these things just to mess me up. <laughs> and those are, I hope, relatively small things in the nature of life. But I can't tell you how often in my relationship with Jesus, I've been operating in the fog of an old wineskin. I've been operating in the rigidity of a system that I didn't even recognize. I had so clear expectations that they were minimal about an encounter with God. Number one thing I pray for before church every single weekend is that the people who come to church will come with a spirit of expectation. I wanna meet God today. I wanna hear from God today. That music stuff at the beginning is not filler for music stuff. That little video thing is not just a cool media thing. That greet each other is not just a post-COVID burst of release. The teaching time is not just so somebody cool up front can say nice things about Jesus. And that little communion thing is not just to tie us to a few thousand years of church history. Did you know that every single part of what we structure in a worship encounter is structured so that you have the freedom and the opportunity to enter into an encounter with God? And some of you this morning, don't raise your hand. Some of you this morning, we just go, hey, you have no idea. If I were raising hands, I'd raise both. I desperately need God in my life. I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus longs to pour new wine into new wineskins. And your life can be a new wineskin every day. Every day you can say, here I am, Lord. Pour your wine into me. John chapter five, last passage, John chapter five. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now they're in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool which is in Aramaic is called Beth Bethesda and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades, uh, five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. By the way, another gospel tells us that the reason they stayed there is that periodically an angel would come down, stir up the waters, and then some people would get in the water. And if they got in the water, they would automatically be healed. So one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years he's living by this colonnade that's covered and he's trying to get down the pool to be first so that he can get healed of his paralysis. Do you want to get well? Jesus asked him. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. I have to pause here. In your spiritual life, when you're reading the Bible, when you're praying, when you're in a worship setting, every once in a while, God will ask you what I would call a no-duh question. Like he asks you something where the answer is so obvious. When Jesus asked this guy, do you want to get well? I do not know what went through his brain, but he, his response seems fairly polite. Like, uh, I've been here for 38 years. I'm trying to get in the pool to get well. I don't have anybody to help me, so uh, yeah. If God ever asks you a no-duh question, it's because he wants you to, to declare. It's because he wants to say your yes so that he can join you in your yes. So this is what happens. I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. 
At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. We don't have time today to unpack it, but essentially what happens because Jesus heals on a Sabbath for the second or third time now in the early part of the gospels is people who are religious leaders intend to kill Jesus. Blind men see, lame men walk. A woman with an issue of blood is healed. The poor are welcomed. The tax collectors and the sinners are able to eat with him. He brings healing, forgiveness, and deliverance, and people want to kill him because he's breaking the rules of the old wineskin. Three things I wanted you to hear. First one is that Jesus came to declare forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. And since I represent Jesus to the world, that's my mandate. I personally believe the reason that God didn't beam you up, take you to heaven, is they left you here because you have an assignment. You are an ambassador of his grace. You are Jesus with skin on in a world desperate for the life and love of Jesus. Many of you in this room, I know because I know some of your stories, you are actively engaged every single day in your life. And you realize when you're in the marketplace, when you're at the uh, supermarket, when you're in your neighborhood, you represent Jesus. And I honor that. He has given you this territory of the 50. You have an assignment here. Jesus came to declare and bring forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. Number two, Jesus reaches people I'm not comfortable with and births new wineskin. I try on a pretty regular basis to intentionally put myself in proximity to and in relationship with people who are not like me. Because what I've realized through the years is my automatic orientation, what goes easy and comfortable and simple is just be in relationship with people who are like me. That's easy. But Jesus regularly reaches people that I'm not comfortable with. And he regularly births new wineskins, new ways of seeing the hand and work of God. Number three, Jesus brings hope where despair has taken up residence. Jesus actually goes to those in despair rather than avoids them. Friends, I think God is calling us to get used to different. Our world desperately needs the life and love of Jesus. Our world desperately needs the Son of God made manifest, made known to the world around us. And we are Jesus with skin on. Hills Church has that assignment. The greatest declaration of freedom that ever occurred, though I value deeply the Declaration of Independence, was not that document. The greatest declaration of freedom that's ever been declared was on the cross when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus came to bring salvation, hope, and freedom. Would you close your eyes with me? Today, I wanna to pray with you, and I wanna ask the Spirit of the living God to touch your life right now. You don't have to let me know, but I pray that today, following my prayer, you'll let somebody know. You'll go to a table outside, you'll go to the information center, you'll share with somebody before leaving this property. In the next few moments, I'm gonna pray for you, and Jesus is gonna to touch you, because Jesus is in this room. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Jesus is here right now. So maybe you're desperate for something from God. Or maybe you're at the place today where you just need a new wineskin. You've been in the old wineskin for so long. With your eyes closed, you know the need of your heart. 
Holy Spirit, I ask right now that your spirit would move throughout this auditorium. For those who are watching online or those who are present right here on campus, I ask Holy Spirit that you would touch their lives. Jesus, somebody in this room needs forgiveness. Somebody watching online needs to believe that the Son of God died on the cross for their sins. Jesus Christ loves you so much that he gave his life upon the cross. Somebody in this room needs to be healed. There's a physical need in your life and you need Jesus Christ to touch your body. And if that's you right now, I want you to know that Jesus Christ longs to heal your body. He longs to bring hope and healing into your life. Some of you have been trapped for many years. Maybe what you've been trapped in is a pattern of behavior. Maybe what you've been trapped in is a toxic set of circumstances. Or maybe what you've been trapped in is in an old wineskin. Jesus wants to bring deliverance to you from the traps, from the old wineskins of life, from the destructive patterns. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring salvation, forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. Bring freedom into this room today. Bring freedom into the lives of those who are watching online. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you died on the cross, you shed your blood, and we can now celebrate forever how much you care. Thank you, Jesus. We will get used to different. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.